1: Welcome into this week's edition of the walkthrough. I am your host, intern Joe Machica. South Carolina fell to Tech San M at Tech San M by a score of 30 to 17 to move to 2 and 6 on the year. They will be left with the final four games of the year, all at home, all at Williams Bryce Stadium for a chance to be bull eligible. It will be interesting to see how they do down the stretch. Obviously, yesterday was a disappointment. Defense showed up in some spots, but you just couldn't get it done. You shot yourself in the foot. Um, wasn't the best game by any means, so you got to come home and get some home cooking. Um, these next four games, if you want to turn things around, but um, I have a really good guest this week, um, the first ever recurring guest in the history of the walkthrough, so really excited for this one. Um, it is none other than Tyler Head. Um, we will get into that in a second, but, but first, I wanted to talk to you guys about who the show is brought to you by. First off, we got our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for your refund. Call on the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with, with multiple service options. Start through Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal, make an appointment, or just walk in, give a call to upload your tax, tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond, over at the Movement Mortgage Network. Clint is always above us on all of our Gamecock Central live programming. Um, in need of help with your mortgage, call on our good friend, Clint Hammond, at the Movement Mortgage Network. He's been in the mortgage industry since 2003, which allows him to help everyone from the first-time home buyer to the complicated and complex jumbo buyer. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance, nothing is more important than a well-thought-out financial strategy that comes with five-star customer service. He's even helped our very own Wes Mitchell and former Gamecock quarterback, Perry Orth, with their mortgages. So give our guy a clinic call. Once again, he's always above us here on our Gamecock Central Live programming. His number is 803-771-6933. Once again, for those listening, 803-771-6933 for all of your mortgage needs. Now, here's Tyler. Hello, and welcome back into the walkthrough. I am your host intern, Joe Machica. With me this week, none other than the Colossus of Clout, the great Bambino, the godfather of 107.5 The Game, if you will. He's had things locked down over there at 107.5 The Game for a good little bit now. The first ever recurring guest in the history of the walkthrough, none other than my guest today, Mr. Tyler Head. Tyler, how are we today?
0: I'm good. I did not know I was the first recurring guest. I w- guessed yes. I was uh, on after the, the Furman game. I guess that was week number two. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, what an honor.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you back on and this will be a recurring thing throughout the winter as well. It's always fun to have you on the show. Um, so Tyler, an ugly game yesterday at Texas A&M for South Carolina. Um, kind of just offer me your initial thoughts of uh, the loss yesterday.
0: Yeah, I um, I predicted on our Gamecock Central staff picks uh, at the end of the week that South Carolina was going to lose this game 31 to 14. We look at the final score 30 to 17, pretty close to that. But yeah. In a weird way, it felt a lot more competitive than that. And I'll give credit to the defense, especially. they were had did, did a good job, especially early on in the game, you know, getting Max Johnson uncomfortable, making him move him around, getting some sacks early. and then in the second half, holding them to field goals. It's just unfortunate the offense wasn't able to click quite enough to keep them in the game, especially in that fourth quarter once they cut the lead down twenty four to seventeen, they just couldn't generate generate anything past that. And you know, now we're sitting here with a team that, has to win the next four games just to get to six and six and ball eligibility and certainly not where we thought this team was um i i definitely can see them still giving the effort um it's just when you're dealing with the injuries that they're dealing with and we'll certainly get to some of that in in a moment um you know you're just uh you're stuck at some point and that's unfortunately one of the things that we saw rear the head yesterday as well
1: yeah, absolutely. And I feel like stuck is a very good word to describe this football team at this point. You know, they've had their opportunities come off the bye against Florida and, and kind of get things going. And then, you know, they didn't, you know, lost a really tough one at home. Then you go on the road to Mizzou, you lay goose egg there. So stuck um, up against a rock and a hard place, if you will, um, if you're South Carolina and especially this defense. This defense, you know, showed a little bit of fight yesterday, um, you know, was able to get some stops where you needed it. But then the offense just, did not do anything to help momentum wise um, in, you know, help this defense kind of carry some momentum into their next series. And, you know, takeaways is a big thing that we talked about on the post game show. This team has not generated a turnover or a takeaway since September 30th, I believe yeah. was, was the Tennessee game, in the third yeah. quarter of the Tennessee game. Um, Mike had the exact amount of quarters, but I mean, you, you you went the entire month of October granted with the buy, you got a buy mixed in there, too. But you went the entire month of October without generating a turnover. And we saw how how much last year's team kind of fed off of turnovers to get them going a little bit, especially down the stretch. This team hasn't done that yet. But, Tyler, I mean, defensively, a lot of questions still be a- to still be answered. Um, I guess walk me through what you're seeing from this defense and do you think there is a, a, a change in staff coming soon?
0: uh speaking of the the turnovers really quick there and i was listening to y'all's post game show and yuba said it was 13 straight quarters they've gone without uh, generating a turnover and this is actually the first time in clayton white's time as the defensive coordinator so just over two and a half seasons now where they've gone three straight games without generating any kind of turnover and i think that just kind of speaks to the issues this team's having and When you talk about generating turnovers, a lot of it has to do with just being in the right position and being in the right place, making tackles, those kind of things where, you know, you can get interceptions, where you can force fumbles, those kind of things. And this team just looks lost on defense in a lot of ways. And while yesterday, my fear coming into this game that Max Johnson was going to go out there and have a career performance, as we've seen so many quarterbacks do this season, Will Rogers, Graham Mertz a couple weeks ago that just go out there and completely toast um you know the south carolina defense especially when it comes to secondary and that didn't necessarily happen but at the same time south carolina didn't do anything uh great on defense either and again i mentioned early on in the game generating some pass rush they got those three sacks on the one drive I believe that was um texas a&m's 2nd drive of the game but past that i mean not a whole lot really hang your hat on got some tackles for losses which was nice Debo Williams, once again, leading the team in tackles, which has kind of become a recurring theme. Um, I thought as far as the secondary went, uh, things fared a little bit better, especially with a guy like Eamon Worry playing in a safety spot where he seems to be a lot more comfortable. Where he's not having to be in coverage as much. Um, he did have that one pass breakup uh, in the end zone there, which I thought was good. Um, but again, just other than that, really nothing to, to really note from this defense, which has kind of been a signature of them this uh, season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. And I, shout out to D, Debo Williams. We'll get to our kind of key players, at least that stuck out. And Debo is one of mine, give you a little preview of of that little segment there. But yeah, I mean, looking lost is is a good way to describe it. And, you know, you've seen guys, I mean, to me at least, you've seen guys check in and out of games, right? Like there's been fight in some areas and then they yeah. lose it all of a sudden if things don't start to go right quickly. So um, the buy-in factor is something I've talked about on this show quite a lot. I think you know Shane Beamer's gonna tend to have more of it, um, just because of the culture and the way everything is built um, up on, on on a morale standpoint. But again, when you know you're two and six, it's gonna be hard to buy in and lock in, especially down the stretch when you know you're kind of playing games. Especially once that bowl eligibility kind of goes out the window, right? I mean, you're just playing games to play games. So, Tyler, I mean, in terms of effort, where do you think this team's at? Uh, as far as effort, I mean, again, I think they're still going out there and playing as hard as
0: they can. But at some point, whether you know it's it's scheme or just not having enough talent on the field, that's kind of where you're falling short. And I, I completely omitted one of your questions a minute ago yeah. uh, talking about if you think there's going to be a, a change at the end of the season. I would say probably so. Yeah. Um, something that I've been saying a lot over the past couple of weeks, though, is Shane Beaver's never been put in a position to fire someone. Because it's only his third year, and you could say that yes, Marcus Satterfield probably would have gotten the boot at the end of last year if Matt Rule didn't come in and end up taking him out to Nebraska, and that's obviously not working out too well. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would say most likely you move on from Clayton White at the end of the season. I know that after the Florida game, you know, Beamer talked a lot about you know we we like the scheme that we're putting in, we're putting in these right calls on these guys to go out there and um, and execute. But but at some point you got to look at the numbers, and it's just not. Favorable at all. Even going back to last season, even in those games, like winning against Clemson, winning against Tennessee, you still gave up a lot of yards—500 yards against Tennessee, which I know that was pretty high-powered offense. They just hadn't showed the ability to stop anybody. And while you haven't been decimated with injuries nearly as much on the defensive side of the ball as you had on the offensive side, at some point again, you got to point your fingers at what is what is being implemented out there. And uh, again, it's easy to point your fingers at the defensive coordinator, but I think that's only the only logical explanation um the only logical move you can make at the end of the season is maybe moving on from him and bringing in somebody else who that is i don't
1: know yeah absolutely i i firmly agree i think we've gone past the point to where you know clayton white can put things back together and 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 play out the rest of the stretch and say if they played immaculately throughout the rest of the stretch i think it's beyond that point i think a change does need to be made um at the defensive coordinator position. It's just they can't stop anybody. And they're having good individual performances, right? Like some game, you know, TJ Sanders, Debo Williams has gone off. You know, the DBs have been making plays. It's just a consistency thing, right? You're not making enough stops and enough spots to win games. So I, I would firmly agree. I think they do. There is going to be some kind of change made defensively. And you're right about the Satterfield situation. And you kind of felt that, I mean, once Matt Rule got his job, it was a nice, swift, and easy thing. So, so Beamer is going to be left with a little predicament, at, um, you know, at the end of the season, whether or not he wants to fire Clayton White, and we'll see what happens with that. But not all, all signs lead towards um, the firing coming in. Um, so, injuries—obviously, Tyler brought it up too. You can't really talk about this team without talking about injuries. Um, Tyler, like my question for you is like, how much can you blame on injuries at some point, like? you know guys are getting enough reps in practice to be able to make some plays like where does injury like because this team is very very banged up david Kloniger noted it yesterday there were 12 offensive linemen that have been out at some point this season like that's really hard to compete you know in any league let alone the sec like so where does it become an excuse or not an excuse and, and kind of walk me through that like how 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 do you see this team with all the injuries
0: well, fans never like to use injuries as an excuse because they always say, well, you should have, you know, guys behind them in the depth chart that should be able to step up and do the same job on the same level, you know, if not better. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason guys are starters and there's a reason guys are backups. And and they put this graphic up at the beginning of the game yesterday. This is the eighth different starting offensive line combination South Carolina's rolled into a game with this this season. Look, I've never played offensive line in my life, but I know cohesion goes a long way. And when you have the same five guys starting on an offensive line, you're going to have a lot more success. Look at teams that win the Joe Moore award on a year in year basis, the Michigans, the Georgia's, Iowa's teams like that. They routinely never have more than six or seven guys that's played on their offensive line over the course of the entire season. And when you look at that uh, position group for South Carolina, again, it started all the way back in the spring. We lose Jalen Nichols and that started moving pieces around. Case and Henry goes down four snaps into the first game against North Carolina. And then it's just been one thing after another, after another, after another. And it comes to the point where, you know, and I give credit to Loggins for the game plan that he put in yesterday, where you could clearly see they did not want to let Spencer Rattler sit back in the pocket. Cause you knew it was going to collapse on him really quickly. So they had him running out you know, buying a little bit more time and, um, you know, having to adapt to the inefficiencies that you have in the offensive line. And, you know, we talk about guys like Fugar, who's had to play a lot this season, who clearly wasn't going to be ready to play at this level. You know, Nick Arjulo, give him credit he's probably the second best offensive lineman that south carolina's had over this entire year right behind for sean lee who is somebody that's out for this game as well um eventually when you just keep moving things around you're, you're just kind of lost at that point and doing what you can and um you know what trey jones goes down yesterday and i think what Bobaladi had to come in for him and uh um again Bobaladi was banged up coming into that game so i i think that's a pretty legitimate excuse when you talk about the offense just because Name me any other team in the country that's dealt with this many injuries at the offensive line. Mm -hmm. You'd probably be hard-pressed to find one. And you're going to have a tough time running the ball when you're doing that, have a tough time protecting your quarterback when you do that. And all things considered, when you look at the sum of the the entire season, the offense is pretty pretty good despite that. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it comes to a point, especially against a team like Texas A&M, which is the best defensive front South Carolina's seen this entire season – you're not going to have a ton of success. And just looking at their yardage yesterday, 209 total yards, lowest offensive outpoint of the entire season. And, you know, a lot of that, you know, you take off a few yards for the, the sacks and the intentional grounding stuff against Spencer Rattler. But still, that's still only roughly 250 yards, which isn't going to win you many SEC games.
1: No, not at all. And I, I love that point. I think, you know, at, all, at, at the offensive line position, when you're so banged up and we knew the depth was going to have to come into play. At some point this year, but you didn't expect Tree Babalotai to have to start against Georgia and Tro Trovon Baugh to start against Georgia like that so early on in the year. And those are freshmen, a part of the Great Wall of Carolina that you're bringing in um that you wanted just to be able to see the SEC kind of get adapted, you know, get in a rhythm, get in a groove, get used to training and that kind of thing. And then, like Tyler brought up, you know, Tree Babalotai had to come into yesterday's game after being banged up. Right? We knew yeah. he was shaking up. We knew he wasn't at 100. And I know. Like he was on that second string because he was banged up, right? They really, really didn't want to have to play him yesterday, and they had to. So, and and that that can get in a freshman's head a little bit. I don't think it necessarily will get into Trees, but, um, you know, being injured in and out like that can kind of mess with you. Um, But I I, I don't think Tree is one of those types of people. But um, you brought up the quarterback. Um, Obviously, we're going to talk about him, Spencer Rattler, has – didn't have the best of days yesterday um and hasn't been having the best like been playing on par with the way he was playing the first couple weeks um he's you know slowed down a little bit but he's still pretty efficient 20 of 33 yesterday 176 yards a touchdown um 61% completion uh percentage and his rating was 115 so not bad, but also not really on par with what we've seen. Um, you know, I it, it's so hard, especially after watching that game yesterday, how much he was on the run mm-hmm. um, and how well Texas A&M did with kind of getting different guys in his face in different spots. You could tell he was frustrated in that one. Um, but, Tyler, um, you know, this kid's playing for essentially his, his draft stock now. Like, what, what are you seeing from Spencer? And do you see him, you know, winding up a first or second round pick after all this is done?
0: Oh, i think it goes without saying he's the best player on the entire team and you you have your best opportunity to be in games when he's out there playing and i saw people yesterday halfway through the game like well, bench spencer rattler i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa. that's the absolute last thing they need to do let's let's not get crazy here so you know yeah yesterday wasn't his best performance and looking at that 20 of 33 what you had four or five drops from receivers that should have been reception so you you know you make a couple of those catches that bumps that number up a little bit more. I do think you know the intentional grounding was definitely a a big black eye on his performance yesterday and the mistakes that we don't usually see him make. But again, he was under a lot of pressure and dealing with a offensive line held held together by bubble gum and duct tape it seems like. But through eight games this season, you know he has done a tremendous job of working himself back into the good graces of people at the next level because going into the season, I didn't see him on anybody's like top 10 quarterbacks or like, Hey, here's a, you know, somebody that can maybe be a late round guy. Like he was getting written off by a lot of people. And a lot of that had to do with how he performed for 80% of last season, which I get. And people kind of assumed he was just washed up and a bust at this point and has come out and played really, really well. How many games this season we've seen him go through three quarters where only has, you know, one or two incompletions or something like that. So, well, yeah, yesterday's game wasn't the best. Certainly I think he's done more than enough. And Jim Nagy, um, from the, uh, the senior bowl the other day, we had a clip of him on one of our shows talking about just how much he's improved and just how highly viewed he is by a lot of people first round, maybe that's a little bit much of an ask, but I've seen him projected, you know, in that second to third round, and I definitely think he could be somebody that you'd bring in as a backup initially, maybe he sits for two or three years, you let him mold and marinate in your system. And then maybe you turn to him as your starter a little bit down the road, but I think he's got a very promising career at the next level. And uh, again, he's done a really good job and uh, working himself back into that um, through eight games this season. And I don't even want to think about where this team would be if he's not playing this year.
1: Yeah, I agree. And we saw plenty of the Norris sellers comments, like burn the red shirt. Like you don't even need the red shirt at this point this year. Like, you know, the season is lost, turn it over to the young guys. But I think, you know, you owe it to Spencer to play him out the rest of the year. And, you know, Absolutely. he's done a lot bringing, you know, energy and, and national attention to this football program. Whether you like it or not, you can't really ignore it. But um, I, I would agree. I think benching Spencer at this point would, would only do um, him and, and your program a disservice.
0: And it really shows how much of a leader he is, too. And Mm -hmm. this happens pretty much in every single game. But, you know, talking about the drops, Nick Harper had one of those drops early on in the game. And who's the first person over there talking to him, you know, being in his face and, you know, not in a mean way, but just like, hey, man, it happens. Let's get to the next drive and, and let's make this thing work next time. Like, That's what you see out of Spencer consistently this entire season. And I know everybody on the outside of Columbia at least likes to look back to him when he was at Oklahoma or when he was on that Netflix documentary when he was in high school and saying, oh, this guy's self-centered and stuck up and all this kind of stuff. He's not. He's changed a lot. He's definitely matured a lot, and he is the undoubted leader of this team. And you see that on display on a weekly basis, especially with these young guys who – talking about Harbor talking about Tyshawn Russell talking about a guy like Omega Blake who are being thrust into these prominent roles because of the injuries, because of the things you're dealing with on this team. And Spencer Rattler is doing everything he can to make these guys comfortable and to help these guys along, which I think he's done a good job of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's such a big thing for those freshmen and all of these recruits that Beamer is bringing in to have a leader like Spencer, have a leader like Trey Knox, showing you the ropes um and even I mean Nicki minward he's still a young guy but he's you know been thrust into a leadership role a little bit too defensively but to have these older guys um especially on the offensive end because you, you, you you're bringing in a lot of talent raw talent especially talking about Nick Harbor too I'll get to him but um, you're bringing on a lot of raw talent and you just need some leadership right especially through this tough times show mm-hmm. these kids you know, how to make the mistakes and how to learn from them in the right way. So that way they can, you know, continue to build in a positive way down going down the stretch. Um, So we're going to start a segment. I mean, I kind of started it a little bit last week, but this segment is called give your flowers simply okay. just because there have been a lot of good individual performances out there for the South Carolina Gamecocks, despite the struggles as a team, um, so I I have two Tyler if you want if you want to go after um just two guys that you uh you know have or have seen production from and that you kind of want to give your flowers to if you will somebody that's kind uh, unsung if you will I don't know um but my two guys at least um are I have Nick Harbor and also. Debo Williams, two, I guess, guys that stood out, obviously, on the box score um, as well, but Nick Harbour being the guy to come in, step up when your wide receiver room is also decimated by injuries, as mm-hmm. well is out. So if you really get banged up, Amari Brown out. So you look at a true freshman being able to do that and Tyler, you brought up the um, the Spencer Rattler moment um, where Spencer kind of consoled him, brought his head back up. He responded right after a drop after that, and I was very impressed for the true freshman. He said the game is slowing down to him a little bit, so I, I think it's huge um, for the team trusting him to get a lot of yards and a lot of reps in the spots where, you know, you're not really playing for a whole lot, so he can learn how to shoulder the offense when you know, the lights are the brightest, like he'll he'll be used to it at that point. So Nick Harbour's my first guy. And then Debo Williams, second guy, just coming in, doing his job. That's exactly what you need to do, um, especially a linebacker this season for this defense. You just, you need to do your job, tackle. And he's tackled well, um, leading, seems like he's leading the team in tackles every week um, and kind of unsung considering how banged up this defense is and how bad they've played as a whole. Debo Williams definitely deserves some shine. Um, at least from from my perspective. Yeah,
0: uh, and those are, I mean, those would probably be the top two guys in my list, but I'll look sure. elsewhere here just to uh, be a little bit different. Uh, Josh Simon, it's been nice to see him come along a little bit more in these past couple of games. And obviously we knew that throwing to the tight ends was going to be a little bit of a bigger deal this season, especially given that Dow Loggins was a tight end coach coming from Arkansas. I knew kind of Trey Knox is going to emerge as that number one guy, but Simon's come along these past couple of games, getting a few touchdowns and uh, got another one yesterday he probably could have had the biggest play of the game yesterday though if he gets his hands a little bit further out when it comes to blocking that punt and you know you can certainly be critical of the way that he went about that if you dive at that thing you probably get it off and i understand not wanting to like rough the punter but if you're taking it off his foot that's probably not going to get called and that could have been a huge swing in the game because he probably would have had the opportunity if not him somebody else on the Mm -hmm. uh kicked uh, special teams to pick that up and taking it for a touchdown. We could be talking about a completely different ball game. Again, Debo Williams, uh, again, leading the team in tackles as he often does when it comes to the defense. I thought Marcellus Dial was pretty good in coverage yesterday, Uh, had a couple of pass deflections, end up having having that sack on the second series of the game where he's coming in off the edge what i thought was really really good it wasn't a perfect day by any means but you know you're kind of grasping at straws trying to find somebody on the defense yeah. to, to, to give your flowers to uh, at this point but um again just n- not a great day overall from uh the, the entire team um but, but those, those are a couple of guys that i feel like you can at least highlight a little bit
1: yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up Dial. Dial's play has certainly improved as the season has gone along. Um, made some big strides. Tackling number one um is something that stands out for me with with yeah, Dial. He, he got injured too. So Yeah, I know. And everyone, it seems like I, I I don't know. Every time you would look at the TV yesterday, it felt like somebody else was going down. Um, so it just it it's it sucks. And kind of alluding going into our next point a little bit we'll look ahead and then we'll, we'll go through the optimism glasses to close things out, but looking ahead, you got four straight home games to close out the year. Jacksonville state Vanderbilt, Kentucky and Clemson. Um, If you can find a way to win the first three, you have a chance to beat your arch rival to go to a bowl, um, which would be something spectacular, but no, also to Clemson will have that in their minds as well. Um, Give them something to play for, deny you from a bowl, but Tyler, Going into this home stretch, um, how how do you see South Carolina faring? Do you see them, you know, like how how just in general, like how do you think this this home stretch is going to go? Can they um, become bowl eligible um, and, and still find a way to squeeze some out of the season, or is everything lost?
0: I'll say this: I think you look at all four of these games and you see a path for South Carolina to win them. Obviously, Jacksonville State this weekend, while they're they're not a slouch of a group of five team, they're solid. I think South Carolina should be able to win that. It may be a little bit close in the fourth quarter, but South Carolina shouldn't have a problem there. Vanderbilt, I mean, they're Vanderbilt, and they got run over by Ole Miss last night. Should be able to win that. Kentucky's a little bit of a toss-up to me, and I know like the ESPN-FBI still has South Carolina favorite at least the last time I looked at it, to win that game, and that could just be one of those four-quarter fights, but I see a path for South Carolina to win, and Clemson, how motivated are they going to be when that game rolls around is my biggest question. And, you know, they dropped four and four yesterday, losing on the road to NC state. I don't have their schedule in front of me, but there's a very realistic opp- opportunity for both South Carolina and Clemson to go in this game at five at six, fighting for the right to go to a bowl game. And, and again, for South Carolina, a team that, you know, making a bowl game uh, is is something that is a routine goal for them every single year. Um, and I could see them being a little bit more, more motivated than a team that, coming to this season with, you know, college football playoff aspirations that quickly evaporated and then just falling apart down the stretch where they may come into that game and yeah, you want to beat your rival obviously, but they just may not have the drive that South Carolina would have going into that game. So I'm optimistic that South Carolina at least has the opportunity to win these next four games and get to a bowl game. And, you know, uh, I I dog on the Birmingham Bowl a lot because it's at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to SC Bowl games. But I take that at this point, just the fact that you'd be able to play a 13th game, have those extra practices, be able to allow some of those guys that come in as early enrollees at the end of December to get some extra practices in. We talked about a guy like Pup Howard that came in and turned a lot of heads in preparation for the Gator Bowl at December last year. So just having that opportunity goes so far in just preparing for next season. And I want to see South Carolina have that opportunity. And again, you got to be perfect on the for the next four games to make that happen, um, you know, we'll see how spirited and motivated they are with a noon kick against Jacksonville State next weekend. Uh, I think that'll kind of set the tone for how the remaining games go.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that noon kick against Jacksonville State uh, if if Florida, after a bye for homecoming, you know, all the lights on you wasn't enough to motivate you to kind of get things turned around, uh, it's, it's going to be really, really hard to you know steer things in the right direction. Noon kick at home against jacksonville state but it's what they got to do i mean there there's no more going on the road and or any of that so like that it's put up or shut up time for south carolina um if you want to make something out of the season and god
0: i was gonna say and the numbers back it up this team's plays tremendously better at home compared to on the road and nearly uh 500 yards of offense averaging at home compared to what i pulled the numbers a little bit earlier just over uh yeah, just under 300 yards of offense when you're uh, playing on the road. So that plays into South Carolina's favor. And just the fact that you don't have to worry about traveling the next four weeks and you're in a comfortable home environment. And I, I know, you know, you should be able to play good everywhere, but just the comfort of playing at home and not having to go through the travel and all that kind of stuff, I, I think that'll at least benefit South Carolina to some degree.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and we can't forget Darude, the the original guy from That's Sandstorm, right. is is coming for I believe Jacksonville State, right? Um, I think it's Kentucky game. Oh yeah, Kentucky game, correct? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah.
0: So Jacksonville State this weekend is when they're honoring the twenty eleven to 2013 yeah. 11 win teams. Um, I'll be very interested to see what kind of reaction Spurrier gets being back in Willie B. I'm assuming for the first time since he yeah. departed in fifteen.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. That that Iranian's always, you know, cheeky, if you will. Right. I was at the last one, um, at, or the when he was at Florida, South Carolina, and mm-hmm. Florida. They honored him at halftime at Florida because um, yeah. they had his you know winning teams there on the on the sidelines, and he got a warm welcome from the Gator fans. So I wouldn't expect anything super crazy from uh, South Carolina fans. I, I think you know time has gone on long enough to where you can kind of appreciate him for what it was. Certainly so,
0: and he's you know for a program that went what was it like one bowl game in 30 or 40 years for Lou Holtz got Lou Holtz got here took you to a to one or two there and then uh, Spreer really put the program on the map in yep. the mid-2000s and you know carried that over into the early 2010s and while yes the ending was certainly not pretty you know you still appreciate what he did for you and hope that coach beamer and and this um you know uh regime here can take you to those same heights in, in the near future it's obviously not a great year here but um when you're recruiting the way the beamer and company are you hope that you can uh, build that up pretty quickly and um, have some of those same goals and aspirations that Spurrier was able to take you to a decade ago
1: yeah definitely going into the recruiting pitch for sure for guys this weekend like look at what you can do you know these guys were able to do it here it's not impossible and i i certainly don't think it is like it's, you know, to be competing on the SEC level, and especially now the way that the scheduling is, you know, right. without divisions or anything like that, it's a little bit, you know, it's it's very clear what you have to do to get out of the SEC and into the playoff. Um, and with the expanded playoff, a little different, too. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Like, how do you view making the playoff? It's not as significant making the Final Four and stuff like that. So. It'll be really interesting. I'm excited for the new playoff next year. I'm sure a lot of other teams are. But um, kind of getting into it a little bit. We've we've been talking about of a negative all show. Um, but this is a segment I like to call the, the optimism glasses. I did it last week. You throw on the danger zone, Dowell Login shades. Um, shout out to Dowell because he's been doing a very good job with this offense. But yep. turning on the optimism glasses, Tyler, give us something good to, to take away this show with man like because there's a lot of bad going on with South Carolina football right now where do you look when you've got your optimism goggles on
0: I look at optimism and while it's less than ideal that you've had to play so many freshmen this year especially on the offensive side of the ball what that can mean going forward we talk about recruiting and building over the next couple of years having guys like Nick harbor that they've gotten so many reps Tyshawn Russell um, looking at the offensive line, tree and Tro, guys like that, those guys having significant reps and what is otherwise an insignificant season in the grand scheme of things, that's going to put them so much farther ahead when you talk about next year. And you talk about a guy like Eamon Wardy that had to step up and play a key role in the defense last year. And why, well, yeah, he's had a struggle this year again, not the best in coverage, but playing in his normal safety spot has been pretty good. Jalon Kilgore, who's played, I'd say, the best out of anybody at that nickel corner spot what's he going to be like next year after having all these reps and so on and so forth, like having so many young guys, well, yes, you didn't want to have to play them. That is hopefully going to benefit you next year and going forward because they've gotten so many reps shaking off the rust to a degree in uh in this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, and I'm glad you brought up the freshmen because the freshmen are playing very, very well, right? Like they're, like I said, a um, bunch of times in this show, that there have been a lot of good individual performances mixed in with the whole as a bad, right? So, I think you know the freshman playing it well is one thing, and then it should also excite you how well Beamer has been doing in recruiting. I think you know um, getting a guy like Dylan Stewart and getting the Great Wall of Carolina and Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, those guys are going to be very, very big to your success. And now that you have kind of the the core base in your recruiting class, it's about you know going and filling the gaps in the correct way um, in the transfer portal, right? Like, because it is, it's a big mix of that now. And uh, obviously when you're starting out your program, you're not getting as many recruits in and and that kind of thing. So it it takes time to build it up to where you're starting to fill in the pieces like you should. So I think, you know, the way Beamer's doing in in recruiting right now should give you some hope. And then also too, that the the guys that are in right now, the Nick Harbors, the tree and Tro's, the Pup Howards are performing. They're performing yes. well. They're, they're sticking sticking up for themselves. I mean, they're they're playing well and, you know, standing out really um, is the biggest thing and um, impressing everyone inside the building, both on mm-hmm. and off the field. Um, you know, I, I feel like every week we hear about how good of a person Nick Harbor is, um, you know, on and off the field. And just, there's a new story that always comes out. You know, Shane says something, how you know, Nick thanked him after the touchdown or something like that. So I think, you know, to have those guys in there learning also to learning from the vets like Spencer and Trey, like I brought up earlier, you know, learning how to be a college football player and, and navigate this complicated and complex landscape that is being a college athlete nowadays. To have those veterans in there to bring up, your, you know, your dogs, your your recruiting class, that, you know, you your, your couple classes that you've had. You know, marked on the calendar for, you know, can't wait till these guys get in and the 2024 class is another one of those and it's not necessarily finished yet. But, you know, you have your core pieces there. I think that should give you a lot of hope as well. And then Dowell Loggins has this offense looking really, 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 really good. Um, Schematically, it's been good and Dowell. I mean, the biggest checkbox going into this year is can he call plays? And I, I think we've seen good from him. I think we've also seen bad, but the bad has been, okay, like he can learn from this now. Like it, it's one of those things where you know that he's going to watch it over some game management stuff that, you know, you can do differently time in and time out. So I, I I think there's a lot of good still in the South Carolina football program. You need to kind of flush this year behind once you get into the off season, make a bowl or not. And you have a chance to, you know, add kind of a, a sparkling light on top of it if you finish strong here but yeah you got to find a way to flush this going into next year
0: it's one of those things when you look at coach beamer's tenure now at almost complete you know three years if you mix the orders of these seasons around it would make a lot more sense and i think people would yeah. be more okay with it beamer really overachieved in his first two years comes in in 2021 and was only expected to win two or three games to so go out there and win six in the regular season win the ball game against north carolina like wow that's far and away more than what people expected last year. It looked like you were going to go six and six after that Florida game. And you pull off two of the biggest wins in in program history, at least in recent memory against Tennessee and Clemson, eight game win regular season, have a very spirited bowl game against Notre Dame where you're down a lot of guys because of injury and because of the transfer portal and end up eight and five, which is far exceeding people's expectations. So like this is kind of the season that you were supposed to have in your number one, that yes, while in hindsight, you know, looking back the past two years is definitely a step down, this, these kind of things just happen within the first three years of a program. It's unfortunate it's in year three instead of year one and year two, but i I have faith they'll be able to get back on track next year. hopefully stay healthy and just you know continue to build on what you had in the first couple seasons.
1: Yeah and the depth will certainly be better too especially at that offensive line like we said the Carolina the great Wall of Carolina is coming in and it's going to be a force especially when you have tree and Tro learning as much as they are now um you know just being able to be in there be in a tough spot like georgia getting your first ever career start against the number one overall ranked georgia bulldogs is something to say and they didn't allow it like i I believe tro allowed a pressure but i mean no sacks between the two of them you'll have those guys be ready to lead the the younger guys coming in so i think you you're you're setting the foundation with your younger guys and your recruits right now the guys that that beamer is trying to recruit and actively going out and going get so There's still a lot of light as we take off the optimism goggles, come back down to the real world um, to wrap things up. But Tyler, um, like like we've talked about all show, you know this team has some work to do. Um, Next week against Jacksonville State, you have the chance to you know beat the brakes off. From what do you need to see from this team next week um, that gives you a little hope that they might be able to win the the last three? just go back
0: to the fundamentals and uh, again spe- specifically when we're talking about defense and how many times have you know we've seen guys getting burned from just being playing 5 yards off and you know uh, receivers on the other team catching in space just doing the technical things right um and uh, again a team like Jacksonville State well again they are a, one of the better group of 5 teams from a talent standpoint you should be able to take care of business against them similar to what we saw against Furman who's a very good FCS team at the beginning of the season um, and, you know, South Carolina picked up a pretty comfortable win there and, and just having confidence and, and gaining that confidence back. Cause when you go on a four game losing streak, it's really easy to feel down on yourself. And, you know, I know from a national standpoint, people look at Jacksonville state and say, oh, what's that win worth a wins a win. At this point in time you can beat anybody i don't care how you beat them i don't care what, who the opponent is just being able to say we went in there we handled our business and we won a game at home is going to do a lot for this team especially when you talk about having to go win the next three games after that against tougher competition um just to get yourself to a bowl game so i want to see these guys playing technically sound football i want to see them out there confident and uh showing that they're still engaged and trying their hardest
1: yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more that's a really good take. I think, you know, they need to go in confident, keep the confidence, right? We've heard, you know, good weeks of practice leading up until this point, And, you know, the, the energy is still there. I just, we need to see it, especially this week. You know, we know about all the toughest schedule stuff and all that. But, well, this is your opportunity to have a weaker team and start to build a little bit um, to make some noise going towards the end of the season. Um, so, Tyler, it was a ball having, having you on again. Um Absolutely. Any, is, has anything changed up? Like is there any, any anything different where we can find you?
0: Uh no. Uh we've had a lot of things shift around at one oh seven five the game over no. these past couple of months, but I'm still uh routinely from nine to three every single day. Uh do a few more hours on on my own now that Colin Taylor has left Gamecock Central and taken yeah. a big boy job at the university, which mm-hmm. I've Good for him he he definitely deserves it he's been on yeah. the ground for the beat for a decade now and that's a lot of hard work uh, that you guys do I, I i don't envy the job that you guys do because you guys yeah. have to work very very hard and you're all over the place and uh, do a great job bringing the coverage that you guys do over it's to gamecock central which i certainly appreciate and helps me out with my job too um but yeah i'm nine to three every single day um i'm now from noon to three with terry ford so mm-hmm. that's the new edition of the halftime show but of course I do the Gamecock Central takeover hour presented by Firehouse subs, with Wes, Wes and Chris, every single day from uh, 11 to 12. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty routine for the middle of the day on 107.5 the game, but I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, j- just wish we had some more fun things to talk about with this football season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I always tune in, um, you know, when I'm going to pressers, all that stuff. It, always have to catch Tyler on the radio at some point throughout the day. I Tyler. It. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Thank you again for coming on. Excited to have Absolutely. you on again. Come basketball season, come football off season. Maybe we'll have some hopeful things to talk about with this football program after the you know the recruits start to pile in a little bit more. All right, and that concludes our this week's episode of the walkthrough. As always, I'm your host, intern Joe. Thank you again to our guest, Tyler Head, for coming on. Please tune in next week. I will be live with Mr. Mike Yuva for talking Tuesday nights. It will be a special Halloween themed. You guys will. Hopefully, like my costume, we will see. Um, but yeah, we will be live, I believe, six o'clock this week. Not 100% sure. Stay tuned to both of our Twitters for more info on that. And as always, we will have all of your coverage live after the game, Cox take on the other game, Cox in Jacksonville State, home at Williams Bryce on Saturday. So be sure to tune in for that as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, enjoy your Sundays, enjoy your weeks.